We're back. Yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Half the Cast, episode number 19. We're back. My name, Josh Tall, joined by friend, Brett Roberts. Hello, Brett. Hey, what's up, everybody? We've been gone for a long time. Yeah, I think it's been two years since we've last recorded a podcast. So, yeah, a little, probably a little bit more than two years now. Because it would have been, well, a podcast maybe about two years. But yeah, the last time we made content was E3 2018. Yes. That was the last time E3 happened. Was it? I think there was an E3 after that, but it was bad. There was, but it was bad. Yeah. It was bad. (laughs) Yeah. It was bad. And now E3 doesn't exist anymore because of what's going on in the world. That's right. Yeah. Which is why we're recording virtually, too. I guess. Yeah, and, and it's easier, which is something we yeah, never it's considered, a, you know? Yeah, when we did it before, um, you know, it was always a lot of work to get everybody together um, to record, obviously, and, you know, it it's a lot of setup and time put in, and I think something that, you know, with the this pandemic world, the current pandemic world that we're living in has kind of shown people how you can connect virtually. Yeah. Um, including in this medium. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. To come together and do it this way. Absolutely. You know? And not only that, but, you know, the standard for this kind of content is shifted because you're seeing your favorite podcasts all shifting to, you know, over Zoom calls or over Discord or whatever, kind of like we're doing right now. So, right. Yeah. It's not like we have a standard we have to hit. This is the standard now. So, yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Where, um, before, you know, it, like we were trying to, elevate to a certain point and have like a live set and whatever it is even though you know it was pretty basic for us but i don't know now it doesn't really matter as much exactly connection part is more important rather than the uh physically being together part exactly and this and i you know just want to say this format might change week to week as we record this podcast we have ideas already for how we want to evolve the show through this virtual medium so you might be seeing some different versions of the podcast in the coming weeks so yeah but what we were sure of is that we wanted to come back and do this again it's something i know we both missed for a long time content creation in general um you know uh we and it's it's weird you know we're not big by any stretch of the imagination obviously but we we got to a point where we're like okay we hit our max subscribers a couple hundred of them um kind of our max uh interaction with people and then we were like Wow, literally every platform we're using is terrible. Yeah. And the la- the last video prior to any of these coming out for this was YouTube is bad, which they are. Yeah. Um and then we were like, okay, well maybe we'll try Twitch a little bit more. Twitch is owned by Amazon. They're bad. Now, uh, especially now Twitch is bad. Yeah. And you see everything going on with Twitch. Uh I mean, the the stuff with their big streamers especially and they're changing their fucking their terms of service and like what you can do and everything like minute but it's they're bad platforms held by really really bad companies but the reality of it is in our current climate that's not going to change you know as much as we might not like these platforms they are the platform and while their other ones exist you know um 
made by awesome groups of people, you know, do you go there and not see, not have your stuff seen, or do you stay here and, you know, the devil you know, you know, I don't know. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And it's almost like, do we stay here, build our community back up, or do we try something new and start from the ground up again? And I think, you know, we're putting time and effort into this. Let's let's do what we know. Let's stay here on YouTube. Let's make the content. Um, and eventually, you know, if we want to jump ship somewhere else, that's always an opportunity. Uh, maybe we right. start doing this podcast live on a different platform. We, you know, that's an option. Right. It's an opportunity we could take. So you're absolutely yeah. right. I mean, we did say YouTube is bad, but but I will say we said YouTube was bad mainly because they were copyright striking every little thing in our live stream. And that's the main gripe we had with them at the time. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so. And it's been it's been a while. And I think the main reason we come back, obviously, is like I said, we miss making content, but things are going to be different. Um, we tried to fit into this whatever kind of shell that we were kind of going for that was popular at the time. And not that that doesn't work or can't work, but I think, you know, with the conversations that we had, we're going to be intentional about just doing what we want, you know? Yeah. Um, our bread and butter is gaming, obviously, and entertainment. And that's what we love because we're both ingrained in that. And, you know, we consume that all the time. But we want to do other things. We want to go outside of that. We want to do more. Um, we both work nine to five jobs now, but, you know, we're we always have that hunger to do more and create. And I think that's the basis of us starting this again. Absolutely. And it all goes back to the, the main reason we created this channel in the first place was not to create content, but we always, you and I have always had these conversations and it stems back from, we've been friends for over 10 years now. And it all stems from a conversation. Mm -hmm. I think we had a long, we had a long car ride at one point where we just talked about games for the whole entire ride, the, the very early on mm -hmm. in our friendship. And I right. think, you know, every single time we get together, we talk about games and we talk about right. movies and we talk about anime and we talk about, you know, all the things that we love with each other. And right. we basically, the idea came to us and we said, what if we do that, but we let other people hear and let other people mm -hmm. have input on our conversations. Right. And that's kind of how Haptocast and Haptic Intel started. So, yeah. And that's still, that's still the case. And it, like you said, it was just games back in the day, but... Let's talk about everything that we love and that we're interested in, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Absolutely. All right. Well, with that being said, what are you playing? What are you watching? <laughs> What's going on? Yeah, I think this is that's a, this is a good point to talk about, you know, where we've been and also what we're watching and what we're mm -hmm. getting into. Um, mm -hmm. So, like you said, nine to five job. Yeah. Got a nine to five job now and that consumes a lot of my life. Um, when I'm not working, I, you know, try to play as much games as I can. I play Apex with you almost every night, if possible, during the week. Um, yeah. Apex Legends, we're still we're still into that. Um, I've got the new Super Mario 3D All-Stars. I've been playing through Super Mario Sunshine and a little bit of Super Mario 64. Um, I think I'm going to beat those or get further in those, and then I'm going to try Galaxy for the first time. Um, mm -hmm. I've heard such good things about Super Mario Galaxy, so I'm interested to try that out. Um, in terms of what I've been watching, I just watched a documentary yesterday, actually, about the console wars back in the 90s. I think mm. the documentary might be called Console Wars. Um, 
and it's just about how Nintendo had this stranglehold on the industry, and then all of a sudden Sega came in and kind of challenged them. But it's hmm. it's more so it's it's interesting how Sega of America handled the marketing of the of the Genesis, and that's that's what's really cool about the documentary. Now I will say it's an American made documentary, um, and some of the takes that they have in the documentary are very anti. Um, not anti-Japan, but basically they blame all of Sega of America's problems on Sega of Japan. And it's such an American thing to do, to just put all your, like, yeah. it was all Sega of Japan's fault. We would have succeeded if it wasn't for them. Yeah. Um, I don't want to yeah. give away. None of it's our fault. Exactly. And I don't want to give it, the whole thing away because I think you should watch it and I think our viewers should watch it too. Yeah. I do want to watch it. It's in my list. Yeah. It might be on CBS All Access or something like that. It's on one of those weird streaming services that everybody's yeah. creating nowadays. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, obviously it's Halloween season, so some horror movies as well. I know you're you're really watching a lot of horror, especially uh, you know uh, from different yeah. regions. So yeah, that's all yeah. for me. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I am watching a lot of horror movies. I, um, I mean, horror is I think I think that's safe to say it's both of our favorite genres. Absolutely. Um, I think what you can do in horror, there's a lot, obviously. Um, but since the start of September, I just I've been consuming a lot of horror movies. I've been trying to watch one almost every day. Doesn't always happen, obviously. Um, but a lot of Italian horror movies, specifically like classic giallo type um, movies, you know, think of the, uh, uh, oh my God, I'm blanking on literally all those directors' names now. Cool. Dario Argento, yes. who did Suspiria, um, you know, Mario Bava, things like that. A lot of Italian horror movies, a lot of Japanese horror movies. I watched the whole um, One Missed Call franchise. I mean, Jesus. The first one was really good. <laughs> the other two were really, really bad. Yeah. Uh, um, I think the, the only and only reason the first movie is on the could have been really bad. I think the only way, it, the only reason it worked was because of uh, Takeshi Miike. Yep. Who also did uh, Audition, which is a nuts movie, which I also just watched recently. Um, but yeah, speaking of, you guys should follow us on Letterboxd. Uh, we're both very active there. It's a great social media platform just for that stuff. So all those will be in the description. But yeah. Yeah. And as far as games, same as you pretty much. Um, I've been trying to muddy my way through Tony Hawk. Mm. Um, I'm really bad at it, uh, but I'm doing my best to do everything. Yeah. Um, I'm probably, I'm almost done Pro Skater 2, but I still have a lot that I need to go back and do. Nice. Uh, um, and then, yeah, just prepping for the next gen yep consoles so all right that's it that's all i got cool and speaking of next gen consoles one of the things so we're huge spider-man fans yeah uh, and specifically um the playstation 4 spider-man the insomniac one yes which if people know we like lost our mind when they announced that and it was insomniac during e3 yeah whatever it's yeah nuts um and specifically, there's a remastered coming for PlayStation 5. That's right? correct. Um, and as well as the Miles Morales Spider-Man, which we're super excited for. So there's something going on with the Spider-Man stuff that has been absolutely abysmal. Um, and I don't know what you want to talk about first, if you want to talk about the pro like their whole terrible process with like porting it and who yeah. gets what and everything like that, or if you want to talk about the stuff around the recasting first i don't know what do you want yeah well first let's talk about yeah how you actually can get spider-man remastered um mm -hmm. they released this like 
paragraph on the PlayStation blog. Uh, I believe it was Insomniac. And it was just explaining all the different ways you can go about getting or you can't get uh, Marvel Spider-Man remastered because technically I think you have to buy the special edition version of uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales for PlayStation 5. Right. Uh, it's just, there's no easy way for you to essentially get this game. You might have to rebuy it. I think it might be a standalone purchase, but then it's $70. Yeah. So there's no cheap way to buy this old, not old, but you know, relatively old game. Uh, right. But but just to clarify, so the, the non-remastered version is going to be a part of that PS Plus collection or whatever the fuck it is? Absolutely, yeah. So you're going to be able to play uh, Marvel Spider-Man on your PlayStation 5. It's backwards compatible. You're going to be able to put your disc in as well. Right, but it's not the remastered version of it. No, 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 no. That You're just going right. to be playing the PS4 version on the uh, right. PS5. Um, so, yeah, I mean, does it look cool? Yeah, I mean, the graphics look insane. Like, it, the things they yeah. did with the reflections, did you see, like, on the building? Yeah, yeah. I actually, um, Digital Foundry did a full breakdown of the ray tracing tech yes. and everything um, with that. And it's, it's, it's pretty impressive yeah um, what they were able to accomplish it was an already yeah. good looking game and they just made it look even yeah. better you know mm -hmm. so so yeah to start start this topic off essentially it's just really hard to get the the remastered version of the game for people that already own it um yeah and then it's also like like uh they they said the trophies aren't going to transfer it's a completely separate trophy list and save data yeah, won't it, transfer either yeah that, see that's all a mess to me um, I think, and I, I get it's like, this is like a full, well, full, it's a, it's a remaster slash port, right? Yep. It's not quite a full blown, like a studio came in, um, and like completely overhauled the game. You know what I mean? Yep. And it's not quite the original version of it. I get that. But you see a lot of companies specifically like CD project red, who's I think the biggest one of be like, okay, you buy the current gen version of this game, yep. right? You get it for free on the next gen. And I think people are rightfully so about this pissed off, annoyed, confused, because in my opinion, I get there's like marketing behind it. There's a business side of it. You want to make additional money. If you want your base to stay there, right. And keep those people purchasing your products, especially Insomniac, who's a staple of like that PlayStation platform. Yep. Why would PlayStation not come in and be like, okay, you get the free port of it. Yeah. It seems to me like a lot of first part. There's a, going to be a lot of non-first party support for that for place on the PlayStation side of it. Whereas you see Xbox, it's like they have created their entire ecosystem around that and access and easy access and streamlined stuff. Whereas you get these confusing, almost like Ubisoft, Activision like things that grant you stuff that you should probably just get for free. Exactly. You know, it's it's akin to like on the Xbox side of things where it would be like you know, you'll get the Series X update for the game, which makes it perform better. It makes it look better. Right. And it's free. And then you've right. got this game where you essentially can't even pay to just upgrade like a $14, you know, upgrade fee or something. You have to purchase the game entirely. So. Right. Right. Yeah. Which now with the new price points of like 70 buck price point or whatever it is. Absolutely. Which most of the time to clarify, I don't think is that big of a deal. I think... I think if it's just going to be a flat $70 price point for a lot of these next-gen games, I have a problem because I think you should have, you should see scaled pricing. Absolutely. Like a game like Spider-Man, like I think that's a $60 game. I think that's a perfectly reasonable $60 game. Mm -hmm. I think a game like Cyberpunk, I would pay $120 for Cyberpunk, 
Yeah. Whereas I think about a game like, I don't know, The Order, that's like a $20 game. <laughs> like, let's 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 be honest. Here. No, you're absolutely right. And I think that there should also like, be scaling from physical to digital. I think digital games should be priced cheaper. I absolutely agree with you because you take the you take, you know, the production out of it, shipping, yep. all of that other stuff. Um, this is a, this is a topic for a whole nother day. I think we could talk about yeah. that specifically for a very long time. Yeah, I agree. But it's just it again goes back to the point that it's bad, that it's so confusing for this and there needs to be like somebody at Sony needs to make a decision or at PlayStation needs to make a decision to be like this is our process for porting for getting the next gen versions of the game. Absolutely. And we haven't seen that yet. Absolutely. And you know what you said that was bad. Uh how about we talk about something that's even worse? Um yeah. the next part of this story. Yeah. Uh so for those that don't know, um, Peter Parker for the Spider-Man game, um, for the remaster of it on PlayStation 5, has been recasted. Um, so I forget the like actors' names. I know the voice actor is uh, Yuri Lowenthal, right? Yeah. Uh, for, for Peter Parker. Yeah, so the voice actor is uh, Yuri Lowenthal, and the former model uh, for Peter Parker's face was a man by the name of John Bubniak. Mm-hmm. And the new one, his name is Ben Jordan. Yeah, so he was recasted, right? So this the studio and the director's like thought process behind it was that they wanted a better facial match, like performance match to Yuri's voice. Yep. Um, so they completely recasted and changed the model of uh, Peter Parker for PlayStation 5 remaster. And now people are upset because, you know, they're like, oh, I want, I want the, this original guy. Like, I came to love him. Like, yeah, whatever it is. Like, that's why would you go and change all this? I think the studio did a fine job of explaining it. I don't have an, an issue with it really. I get, especially with new technology, the facial capture, trying to make it look like at like the animation look appropriate and not weird or off. Mm-hmm. I get that, right? I, I I understand that. But now, you have people that are like completely attacking the studio and the yep. director and yeah go ahead yeah i was i was just gonna say this is the first time we've really seen this with a triple a a big triple a game where they take a character model of you know the main character of the game and completely change it um you know you might see it with a remaster of a ps3 game to a ps4 game where they update the face uh the face model you know this gen ps4 xbox one you don't really see that you know, you don't see the main character's right. face change. Um, but like you said, I think that Insomniac did a great job of explaining the whole thing. Yuri Lowenthal is a phenomenal voice actor. He, he's, voiced, oh, he's voiced some of our favorite characters of all time. He's yeah. even, I think, voiced absolutely. Spider-Man in other things. I don't think he yeah. only voiced him for the game. That could be wrong there, but I'm pretty sure he has. Um, so when you see their, their explanation, they, like you said, the, the face movement wasn't right with uh, John Bubniak's face and they found someone mm-hmm. that looked a little more like Yuri or had the same jaw structure as Yuri um, in order to, to make it look right, make it look natural. And is it weird? Kind of, because imagine this was a movie franchise and they just recast the character. It's like Michael Keaton's right. Batman, you know, just getting right. recast by George Clooney. Um, it's weird. It's it's strange. But at the same time, you're this is a character that... 
this is a character that you see him wearing a mask for the most part of the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of the most emotional moments in the game, he's unmasked for sure. Right. I just think that the the argument that it's a complete travesty is just blown out of proportion. I, I don't think it's that big well, of a deal. And then you have the, the death threats. And like, to me, I never, ever, ever, ever will understand people that like either direct message or tweet at like creators or actors or whatever it is, somebody who is in the entertainment sphere for changing or doing something in their universe, right? Or artistically that they don't agree with. Yeah. And then you send them death threats. First of all, why don't you crawl out of your basement, okay, and take a look around you? It's not the end of the world. Nothing in the entertainment sphere, movies, video games, whatever, that creatively happens, right, is ever worth sending a death threat to somebody. You look at, like, The Last of Us Part Two, and, oh, my God, the freaking controversy around that and, like, these people that poured their heart into it, and then you send them death threats. Same thing with this. Like, really, that's, that is your response. Yeah. Is that you're so mad, right? And you're entitled to your own opinion, but you're so mad that you're going to send somebody a death threat and say, you deserve to die or I'm going to kill you or whatever it is because I don't like you doing this thing in your piece of art. Yes. Get a fucking grip. And I got to point out, because someone's going to go back and, and find clips of us saying, go kill yourself. Like this, That's completely different than actually messaging the person and saying, I'm going to kill you and your family. I'm going to slit your throat. Like crazy shit like that. Right. Completely baseless versus... You know, you're actually messaging the person saying you're going to do these things to them. Um, right. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't get it. I, I just will, I, don't, I will never get it. I will never understand mm-hmm. it. The only thing that I can think of with these, with these kind of things is it's a person that does not see the internet as real. And mm-hmm. you kind of see that a lot with people like that, where they, they, yeah. they think they can make comments and they can say whatever they want on the internet. And then they don't see it as like, you're actually talking to somebody. You're actually, there's someone on the other end. You know what I mean? Right. So that's the only explanation I have is it's just someone that doesn't quite understand the internet and the realness of it. So. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I don't know. Anything else with that? Yeah. I did want to point out something else. Um, The former model, John Bubniak, as we've said before. Yeah. uh, On Twitter, he expressed his sadness for being recast. Um, he tweeted out with emojis, uh, Spider-Man forever, essentially, is what he said. And then he followed that tweet up with, you will all forever be in my heart. So clearly this character meant a lot to, to John. Um, but it's, yeah, absolutely. But it's worth also, and I don't want to discredit what he's done for the character, but all he did was provide the likeness for the character. It's not like he actually did any acting or, um, you know, mocap for the character. So... Mm-hmm. While it was probably awesome that, you know, they based it off of his likeness, um, I don't really think it's it's that big of a deal again. Um, yeah. I feel bad for him. And at the and at the end of the day, I mean, it's not it's not his intellectual property. It's not his piece of art. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Um, it's that's the director and the studios. So yeah. It's their decision. Well, and I think, again, their explanation is totally valid. Yeah. And to top it all off, uh, this kind of is like the, the bow on top of the present here. Um, ben Jordan, the new uh, face model for Peter Parker, uh, he made an announcement post on his Instagram where it was, you know, a picture of Peter Parker or whatever and him. And he was basically saying, I am the new Spider-Man. 
And the top mm-hmm. comment on his announcement post with 573 likes says, sorry, but you're definitely not my PS4 Spider-Man. And I just, first of all, you're right. He's not your PS4 Spider-Man. He's your PS5 Spider-Man. So <laughs> there's that. Yeah. Um, but I just, it's sad that he, he doesn't even get to enjoy this moment um, as the new Spider-Man. So mm-hmm. I feel bad for both John and Ben. They both kind of got cucked uh, in this situation. Mm-hmm. So, and and uh, yeah. Brian, I don't know how to say his last name. Brian, if it's a tar... Itahar, um, the director. Intahar, yeah. Yeah, I feel bad for him for the death threats as well, obviously. Um, Yeah. Completely baseless. But yeah, that's that's Spider-Man for you. Yeah. But speaking of PS5 and next gen, um, we're approaching it very rapidly. Yeah, and we have... I was going to say, you know, we both have our next gen consoles pre-ordered. Yeah, somehow... By the grace of the gaming gods, we both were able to secure pre-orders, which, by the way, what a, what a fucking mess. What, a, what mess. a fucking absolute mess. A travesty for both Xbox and PlayStation. What a disgusting... What... Uh, there, There is technology that exists that could have mitigated literally all of those issues. We have technology! With and you know what you experienced uh with the playstation you know the q system that they had which actually worked yeah right that was the yeah. only thing it, that yeah. worked I, I, I mean so they for those of you that don't know playstation sent out message or emails to people you had to sign up and they sent out emails to certain people based off of your what they said your activity on playstation or whatever the fuck it was a link to your psn id um to basically get a link to go to a pre-order Right and wait in line like a virtual line. Yep. So, PlayStation had their last showcase or whatever it is. They 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 announced what the the price right. Yeah. And the release date, but they didn't they didn't announce a pre order release date. That's right. And then then it was a fucking mess online forever. And then some people some uh, vendors put up their links like immediately. People couldn't get in. Websites were crashing. People weren't getting pre orders because they're whatever it is. So on the PlayStation side of it, at least when you, if you got that link and you got in, right, you could wait in a digital line. You had to wait a while, but it was really smooth once you got in, like it was fine. Yep. But they didn't send any guidelines to vendors or anything like that. Whereas on the Xbox side, they sent guidelines to vendors, right? Like with a specific day and time, they were very clear about it. But then when you did that, vendors infrastructures and xbox's infrastructure their own website the microsoft store couldn't handle it and everything was crashing and a fucking mess how do we live in 2020 and you cannot handle a pre-order system and or you give game stops like 10 like eight at one x's and two series s's yeah what yeah it, it's a mess and you know what even gamestop they implemented a queue system to, to get on the website to reduce server load the website mm-hmm. still didn't work even with that queue yeah. system to get into the site. And I got to yeah. say, you know, listen, obviously we're PlayStation fanboys more so than we are Xbox fanboys, but the Xbox mm-hmm. is the most powerful console. I'm getting one, you're getting one. We, you know, right. we respect the Xbox. Yeah, we've both had this last generation, both of them. Exactly. And the Switch. Exactly. Yeah. So when I say and this, PCs. I don't want to sound like a fanboy, but Xbox, mm-hmm. Microsoft, you literally watched what happened to PlayStation and you couldn't do any better. What are you doing, dude? Yeah. Even even though they like 
were like memeing on it on uh exactly. social media and stuff like that hey if you're gonna walk the walk you better be able to talk the talk and guess what your pre-order fucking system sucked it sucked both of them did there's no excuse there's just no excuse across the board but those few people that percentage of people that got the playstation thing at least it was smooth yeah and it should you have know, been like that from the get-go it yeah there's just no excuse and i get with coronavirus and the state of the world production is lower uh than what they anticipated but it's still higher the units they have available is still higher than the last generation yep. and there's no way there's no way unless you have the most boneheaded set of like administrators or higher-ups that you could not have known and prepared for how many people were trying to get their hands on it yep more people are gaming now than they ever have before. The pandemic only exacerbated that. Yep. Like the need for uh, software and hardware is off the charts. There's no way that you thought it wasn't going to be like a hot item. There's just no way. Yep. So you're stupid and you're bad for not creating an infrastructure to support that. That's right. Um, and specifically with the PS5 now, um, and I'll let you touch on this because I don't know much about it but apparently um well first of all just as like a little aside they're changing in japan the uh uh the cross to the circle button or the whatever yes what, with this generation right yeah so essentially what that is all about is um ever since the playstation one in japan to confirm when you're playing when you're playing a video game essentially when you wanted to confirm something in the game you would push circle in Japan, right. where in North America and other regions that aren't Japan, uh, you would push X. It's you know in, ingrained in all of us. When you want to confirm something in a PlayStation game, you push X. In Japan, right. it was or X or cross. I'm sorry, cross button. Um, in Japan, it was yeah. always circle because circle was like okay, and the X was like no back. X was the back button. Yeah. In America, yeah. we switched that. the The buttons yeah. don't have a meaning in America, so. But uh, a couple of Japanese YouTubers and Japanese media people actually got first look at the PS5 at the time we're recording this uh, today. Uh, yeah. And what they found was one of the things that was changed in the PlayStation 5 is the buttons were switched to the American uh, way. Uh, right. So because people finally or people have like the hardware now, like the functioning hardware now in Japan. Right? Yep. Yeah. A couple of the, of the YouTubers were able to try the hardware. Uh, they were allowed to show pretty yeah. much everything except for the uh, dashboard, the OS, anything like that. They were allowed to show gameplay yeah. and all that, but not the OS. Mm -hmm. um, and speaking of the OS, it was leaked, apparently, like the size of it. Yeah, so <laughs> essentially, this could be completely factual or false. It could be fake. It's, it's not factual information as of right now. Um, yeah. There's some Russian screenshots of the PlayStation 5 dashboard and one of the things that they managed to take a picture of with their phone, obviously it's a blurry screen because it's always a fucking blurry screen when you're doing these kind of leaks. Um, right. Even though there's a screenshot button on the goddamn controller, I digress. Um, mm -hmm. It showed that the storage for the PlayStation 5 only had 664 gigabytes available for games. Right. As we Which know, is... yeah, as we know, the one terabyte hard drive is what it SSD is what it comes with. Mm -hmm um which is a, th a thousand gigabytes so essentially 340 gigabytes are being used by the os right but now so typically uh, xbox is similar the os will take up about 100 or so 
gigabytes, right? Yep. So you'll have you'll have eight hundred and fifty ish like left yep. after the OS. If this is true, that is a bad, bad, bad thing. First of all, one terabyte SSD. I know SSDs are more expensive, and you like almost need them now for the this infrastructure and running games quicker and the quick resume stuff and whatever the fuck. I don't care. It one terabyte is not enough. I agree for modern gaming. It's not enough. Something's got to give. Either more storage, more SSD storage, right? Or you need to make your games smaller. You need to figure out something to make them smaller because something's got to give. Because guess what? If I have 600 and something, 664 gigabytes of space on my PS5, I'm going to go through that in like fucking four or five games. Yeah. And you think about the updates and like the other apps that I'm going to want on my PS5 and all this other stuff and like themes and that's just not enough. It's just yeah. not enough. And I want to be clear too. There's a couple of things we don't know about with this leak, quote unquote leak. We don't know if they have the Astro Playroom game installed on the console or not. It comes with every. I single think that's game. confirmed. It did have it on there. I think that's confirmed. I think it comes. The Playroom comes installed on the console. But I I understand what you're saying. Yeah. You don't know if this leak included that. Exactly. And I don't think that's going to be a hundred gigabytes. No, it's probably like a, what, 10 to 20 gigabyte game, maybe? Well, I don't know, because it's next gen. I don't fucking know what the hell it's going to be, but... Yeah. I don't but, I don't think that and matters. Then, and then you compare to, like, I, I don't know, one of the, one of the biggest uh, controversies with, like, video games right now and, and uh, size is uh, Modern Warfare. Yep. Right, the current Call of Duty game, where it is just a massive file size it is just massive and absolutely ridiculous well i mean we have right here modern warfare 20 2019 no longer fits on a 250 gigabyte hard drive that is absurd one game one game absolutely absurd that's that now they have it so you can uninstall like map packs things like that you could you can uninstall um uh what's it called you can uninstall like the co-op yeah. version of it but you you can't uninstall like i don't think you can uninstall the multiplayer and single player so you just have one and then you have warzone which is roped into it even though it's its own app it's it's a fucking mess it is a it's mess. a fucking mess it's a mess something again has to change for next gen something's got to give because I don't want to spend, which we're probably going to anyway, have to spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars on additional SSD storage for these consoles. Because if you use a hard drive, it's going to run like shit. Yeah. And then what's the point? I don't even know if you can hardware. use a regular hard drive. I think you have to use. You might not. Yeah, you might not be able to. I don't think it can. It won't support it. Um, and even if you do, like on PC, for example, you run something from a hard drive takes a lot longer to load your load yep. times could be doubled in some instances and things like that it's not going to run as smoothly yeah anyway well that we didn't plan this for a topic or anything but uh, it kind of goes to the thing we were talking about in person the other day with destiny 2 and how they're planning to delete content i think warframe does it right. as well um yeah they're deleting content from their base game in order to make room for you know updates and dlc that they're planning to put out in the future um and yeah, I mean, like, is that a solution? Yeah, is it the solution that works? Like, ideally, no. 
No, because I feel like, and even in the instance of Destiny specifically, I understand they, they you know, new players after a certain point, they'll get like up to a certain level cap or light level or whatever it is. Um, but then you're missing on the ability to go out and go back and experience some of those stories, right? Yeah. Some of that content. And even though the drops from them might not be as good, the you're missing the story elements. Exactly. Right? Um, and that's going to fracture your player base um, and create an even higher barrier of entry into your game than there would have been before because yeah. you're alienating those people that didn't buy in immediately. No, absolutely. And I think, if I'm remembering correctly, Warframe actually uh, did some crazy feats of technology and they essentially retextured the entire game. They went like through all yeah. their textures and they found like some kind of a new way they could render the textures without taking up as much space. And it looked mm -hmm. almost better than the original game when they did that. And it saved mm -hmm. so much space. So maybe something like yeah. that could be the solution as well. I don't know. Yeah, I think companies, um, software hardware companies for games need to start uh, really trying to innovate with space and storage. Yeah. Um, rendering, I know there's like a big push to have assets render uh, via cloud-based and not in engine and hardware. Um, I don't know if that's the solution or not, but there something again, something's got to give. Somebody's got to figure out something, and I know it will eventually, but... Uh, the, the space versus storage issue or the size of games versus storage issue is uh, has been an issue this generation and it looks like it's going to continue to the next one. Absolutely. Hey, and speaking of cloud-based uh, shit. Yes. Xbox, absolutely yes. crushing it lately. Um, they just released the official Android version of the Game Pass app, which lets yes. you stream your Xbox games right to your Android device wirelessly mm -hmm. through the internet as long as you have a good connection you could play xbox one quality games on your phone yeah um and specifically with that so we both tried it briefly yeah uh, in the beta version um you had a great experience with it right yeah it was you know there's going to be input lag but right. it didn't have any hiccups or anything yeah mine and because my internet connection is not probably as stable as yours yep um i definitely had some issues with it um but I think I think the technology for that is so close. I think it's so close to being perfect. Yeah. Um, and the ecosystem that Microsoft has with it, connected to Game Pass, right? Mm -hmm. um, soon going to be EA Play. Um, all of these things they are creating this ecosystem for themselves. That yes, they have their hardware. But to me, the selling point of it, whether it's Xbox, PC, having a phone that can have the a Game Pass app on it, uh, um, is the ecosystem they're creating in that all of their first-party stuff is free, mm -hmm. right? You get third-party stuff on there. You get first-party games the day they launch and you don't have to pay for them. And you have this subscription that gives you access to hundreds of games. And now it's going to be EA Play um, or EA All Access or whatever the hell it is. Mm -hmm. I mean... That is insane. Plus uh, Xbox Live, right? Yep. And then you get the gold games or whatever the fuck it is. I mean, there's a lot of incentive there for $15 a month. Absolutely. Absolutely. That That's ridiculous. And you can literally play anywhere and play your save anywhere. Yep. I can play, I can play Halo on my phone, 
right? Mm -hmm. And then I can go to my computer and pick up the same save. And then maybe I want to go sit on my couch in my living room so I can stop playing my computer and then go continue playing the exact same save. Yep. That's ridiculous. That's insane. And I, I want to compare it quickly to remote play for the PlayStation because um, I know someone's going to make the argument, it's the same thing. We've had this technology for years. And I felt the same thing too. Uh, but it's not the same. Remote play for the Vita and remote play for your you know, desktop or I think they have a remote play app for your phone as well. Is nothing mm -hmm. is nothing like this because no, and it doesn't run. It doesn't run as well either. It, it doesn't. <laughs> but what that would do is it would basically turn your or your PlayStation on, and you would just mirror your PlayStation screen to your device. It seems like with this, your Xbox is just doing its thing. You're playing the mm -hmm. game through the cloud with your save, right? You know, right. Your processing power is not on. You're not streaming from a device. Yes. You're streaming from a service. Exactly. Um, but that service communicates with all of your devices and also has your save yep. for everything. Yep. Um, and I've used the uh, whatever is for the PlayStation. What is it, what is it Remote called? Play. Share play? Remote play. And it's not. It takes the fidelity too because it's streaming it mm -hmm. um, and lowers it. Um, on the Vita, you don't tell as much because it's a smaller screen. Yep. But I've played like a Persona 5 Royal, for example, from my PlayStation onto a computer. And I did it once and that was about it. Yep. And that's all. I'll leave it at that. Yep. It's just, it's not a great experience and they haven't invested in it as much. Yep. They kind of stopped and that's fine. But Xbox on the flip side is definitely investing in their cloud stuff and... Um, Game Pass specifically, you look at some of the acquisitions they made. One of the biggest deals in video game, the biggest deal in video game history up for monetary I was just going to say, came, yeah. Um, with the Xbox acquired uh, ZeniMax Studios for $7.5 billion. Yep. And ZeniMax has a lot of studios under it. They have Bethesda games. Online games are hard. I read on the internet that our games have had a few bugs. Sometimes... It doesn't just work. They have id games. They have, you know, the Evil Within games. They have, the, it's just insane. Wolfenstein? Yeah. It's nuts. I, I, so, so not only the studios under ZeniMax, the IPs under ZeniMax are huge. Some, some of the biggest fucking games you can think of. And that, first of all, you know, the saying goes, Xbox ain't got games. Um, as a wise man once said. That's right. And that's one thing Xbox don't got. Xbox ain't got games. It ain't got games. And that is true. They really struggled to compete with PlayStation uh, this last generation, specifically for first-party content. Yep. You think about PlayStation, you think about incredible first-party uh, single-player experiences, right? And you think about Xbox and you think about infrastructure and like software. That's right. right. As far as like their Game Pass stuff goes. Xbox came out a couple years ago. I, I don't remember if it was at E3 or whatever when they went through like the Ninja Theory acquisition yep. and like all those studios that they're kind of bringing into their ecosystem, into Xbox um, game studios or whatever, mm -hmm. which is great. But obviously it's, it's going to take a while for all those studios to develop their games. But now you bring in ZeniMax, which has all those studios under it. Besides from the, the library they already have, you know those studios are working on huge fucking games. Yep. Bethesda specifically. Starfield. Um, 
Yeah, Elder Scrolls. So you, uh, th- they are yeah, they are really investing in the future of that platform. Um, and I don't think it can be understated enough how how massive that is. And I look back to the days of when Don fucking Matrick was head of Xbox. Fortunately, we have a product for people who aren't able to get some form of connectivity. It's called Xbox 360. I'd be like, this would have never happened. And I think all these acquisitions and how well Xbox is doing is in no small part due to Phil Spencer. I, oh, yeah. I mean, that dude, that dude gets it. He said what he's going to do. And now you look at how much money Microsoft is investing into Xbox into that cloud-based technology, into that infrastructure, that ecosystem, and streamlining it across all of their devices. It's it's insane, and I don't think everything that is going to happen or come from that has been said or revealed yet, and I think it's just going to get better with time. You're absolutely right. And I I think that if the Xbox Series X and the Series S has a poor sale this holiday season and next year, you know, mm-hmm. could that lead to Xbox stop developing hardware and they they just become a software company and, and you know they sell their infrastructure of the Game Pass and all that? That's a possibility. And would it mm-hmm. would it succeed and would it thrive? Absolutely, it would it would it would be great to have Xbox Game Pass and all that on the Switch. You know, mm-hmm. it would be great to have that on the PlayStation. I don't know if you know at that point they won't be hardware competitors, but. Um, mm-hmm. The Switch would probably, they'd probably have Game Pass on there if that was the case. And I think Xbox would thrive and they would succeed and they would make, you know, great money. They would make great amounts of money if they did that. Um, Mm -hmm. It would be a shame because then we lose out on this really awesome, high quality console experience. But um, yeah, I don't think, I don't think they're, uh, maybe in the future, yes, but I don't think they'll stop it anytime soon i think phil spencer himself said that he still wants to do hardware Mm -hmm. but i don't think that's where their money's coming from it's not to your point exactly that's not that's not where it's coming from they're just not this last generation they did not compete with playstation or nintendo on hardware sales they just didn't not even not anywhere close and i don't think that's going to change with the next generation i think i think having the s as a price point a cheap price point into like a next gen experience Mm -hmm. it's gonna be great for them it's Combined, it's not going to outsell PlayStation. It's not going to outsell Nintendo. No. Hardware. And hardware the proof is in the pudding. They had enough money to buy ZeniMax pretty mm-hmm. much based on Game Pass, you know, sales alone. Um, right. You know, they did sell Xbox Ones, but, you know, not at the level they they would hope to have made, you know. Right. So. Right. Um, and further with that, I want to talk about two two quick rumors with them and the game pass stuff specifically Mm -hmm. it seems like forever now there's been the rumor about xbox acquiring sega that's right um i don't know what do you think i think it would be huge because this is a japanese company and i know phil spencer has said multiple times that he's interested in acquiring a you know japanese studio um i know bethesda has a few Japanese studios, right? Ghostwire Tokyo is being created by a Japanese team. Yeah. So um, he has some of that, but you know, with Final Fantasy being a console exclusive now to the to the PlayStation, they need some more Japan exclusives on the uh, Xbox. Um, yeah. That's just and how it I, is. I think too, there's a there's a niche missing 
of um you look at playstation they literally have japan studio yep but also um uh they have almost like not exclusivity rights but these partnerships with other japanese studios uh you look at something like um atlas yep. for example um where they favor that ecosystem mm-hmm. more yep um and i think that there's a really core a hardcore group of people that that appeals to um japanese style um things that is just completely absent from xbox's platform yep. um, related to sega specifically though i mean people were all over that rumor after all these acquisition stuff came out. Mm-hmm. And I think Xbox themselves, or maybe it was Phil Spencer or somebody else in the company, I don't know, even said, because uh, TGS just happened, yep. um, that they wouldn't be making any acquisition announcements at TGS. Um, but they didn't officially say, obviously, that they wouldn't be acquiring Sega or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think it's still perfectly possible. And uh, I think that that would give them kind of twofold things because Sega has a lot of like family based entertainment, Mm -hmm. right? I think about like Sonic, things like that. Um, But they also have some really hardcore Japanese games that I think there is a huge audience for. Yakuza. Um, Yeah. So, uh, I mean, to me, it's a no brainer. I know it's probably cost them a lot of money, but Sega also hasn't necessarily done the best uh, financially for a really long time. Uh, so if they got a sure revenue stream from Xbox, right, mm-hmm. they can continue developing all their games, but kind of sure up some of their losses and stuff that they've seen financially. Mm-hmm. To me, that's a that's a no brainer. Yeah, and speaking of Yakuza, I think there is some kind of a deal with Yakuza, uh, like a Dragon, which is the new title coming out. Um, I think there mm-hmm. is some kind of an exclusivity thing with Xbox, so that kind of leads to the rumors and the. Uh, yakuza franchise i think i don't know what numbers like three of the yakuza games just came on game pass so like you're, yeah. you're kind of seeing you know stuff already make its way on the game pass and stuff yeah. just lending itself to the rumors yeah are are they piloting to see how the infrastructure works for them yeah maybe as part of a part of the deal are they seeing maybe are they seeing how many people play their games on game pass you know how what the interest yeah. is like you said yeah. perhaps but you're 100 yeah. right with the family games. They have, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog, which is one of the biggest gaming mascots of all time. They just had a mo- major motion picture release uh, for right. Sonic, so that would be a huge acquisition um, for Xbox. You know, Sonic would be the next Blinks the Cat. Who knows? Yeah. Um. And I forget what I was gonna say. I was so enamored with you speaking to me. Oh, that's how it is. Um. I know the Blinks the Cat reference kind of took your breath away. It's okay. It, it did. It kind of, it kind of took me into left field. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but co- anyway, continuing off of like more just speculation. I don't want to speculate forever. Um, but uh, now to preface, the head of the studio said that it's not going to happen. That it's not in the works. I don't believe him for a second. Um there was, there's rumors that Xbox could be acquiring Bungie again. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Bu- Bungie uh, left Xbox Studios a long time ago, partnered with Activision as their publisher. Activision published Destiny 1, Destiny 2 for them and helped them develop it. 
There's so much crap about how abysmal Activision is. We know how fucking terrible of a company they are. They really are just one of the worst out there. One of, I mean, it's like EA and Activision is really close. Mm -hmm. uh, they're really bad. They're terrible, awful companies. Um, profits, they're bad. I don't like them at all. Yeah. Um, Bungie left Activision. Uh, their agreement was done. I don't think they re-signed or whatever. They left. They're independent now. Published. Mm -hmm. Technically, they're independent studio. Independent publisher. Um, have been updating Destiny and things like that. So now there's rumors that Xbox is in talks to acquire them again. Yeah. Um, I have two opinions on this. Okay. One, I think I think for Bungie, it's probably a smart, smart idea financially. Um, I don't think they are the most financially sound company um that exists uh destiny is not as popular as it used to be they've had a lot of missteps with the franchise in my opinion um their player base is not as large as it once was and also they are a very singular focused company so for them to publish and develop at the same time it's going to cost them a lot of money and i don't know if they have the infrastructure to support that yet yeah twofold if bungie goes back to microsoft or xbox specifically I think they should be forever labeled cucks, and I think they're absolutely abysmal. Um, and for them to get acquired again and go back and grovel, I think is so sad. I think it's so sad. And then you see what happened with their franchise, their baby franchise that they left with 343. And don't even get me started. 343, literally the worst game developer on the face of the planet. They have just fucked Halo. It's bad. They're a disgusting studio ran by absolute idiots. Anyway, yeah. Okay. I don't have much to say about this topic that you didn't just say. Um, I was never really a big Halo fan. So, you know, their time with, with Microsoft before when they were making Halo 1, 2, 3, uh, I honestly couldn't tell you if they made good game, if it was a good game or not. Um, I did enjoy Destiny 1 and I did enjoy Destiny 2. But mm -hmm. like you said, the player count is very low i would imagine right it's abysmal now. it's abysmal the only source of income because they only here's the thing bungie makes one game every two to three years and the thing that keeps them afloat is the microtransactions and the dlc the expansions um i couldn't tell you when the next dlc comes out or when the last dlc came out i don't play destiny anymore but i would imagine that the microtransaction sales right now are very piss poor considering that no one is playing the game at least that's my uh, inter interpretation of what's happening here. So yeah, they are probably looking for someone. Uh, they left Activision because Activision, like you said, is a piece of shit company and mm -hmm. they made them do things in Destiny that they didn't want to do and including the microtransactions, which are keeping them afloat right now. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, was Destiny a good fit with Activision? Absolutely not. Was it really weird seeing Destiny on the Blizzard launcher <laughs> for PC? Absolutely um mm -hmm. but yeah i mean destiny 2 is free to play now so yeah they tried to get more people in there that way and did they maybe but uh yeah i mean this is a it's a possibility man they could go yeah. they could go back to xbox um mm -hmm. and it would I be think for them god i was gonna say it would be pretty nuts if they did uh because destiny's had this ex exclusivity deal with playstation all these years just like Call of Duty, um, just like right. pretty but much I, everyone. I think that's probably a symptom of Activision, though. Yeah, uh, like I said, Call of Duty, right? So that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, it'd be nuts. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm no, I, first of all, I don't know what their financials look like. I'm not a financial expert, but to me, look, from the outside looking in, if I think about their revenue streams, to me, I feel like they're probably hurting right now. Um, I don't know. That's just me from the outside looking in. Now I'm with you. Um, a studio that's not hurting though. Oh yeah. A studio that is one of the most profitable studios on the face of the earth. Um, and arguably one of the largest in game development right now. CD Projekt Project Red mm. well, Cyberpunk. They're, well, they're certainly not hurting financially, but they might be hurting uh, physically and mentally. Uh, yes, with their workers specifically. Yeah, with this story we're about to delve into. Yeah, so CD Project Red, if you've been living under a rock, um, developed The Witcher 3, one of the biggest games this generation. I love The Witcher 3. played the fuck out of that game. Um, I know you enjoyed it as well. Um They've been developing cyberpunk for, Jesus, almost eight years, seven years. It's been a right? while. It's been a very long Something time. Something like that. It's been a long fucking time this game has been in development. This game has almost come out like 33 million times, has been delayed eight billion times. It's finally coming out November this year. November, I don't fucking know, whatever. It's coming out November of this year. Um, right before... Um, or in tandem with the next-gen consoles. Yep. Right. CD Projekt is known for their great business strategies, how they treat um, consumers. They're very consumer-friendly. Um, for example, uh, you know, all the Witcher 3's DLC was free. There was huge fucking expansions for that game. What you got when you bought that game, like just physically in the box, was absolutely nuts. Yep. Um, their games are... You know, for the next gen, you buy the current gen version of it. You get the next gen upgrade for free. Um, they've been great with modding communities. They've just really been known to be consumer friendly for their products. Yep. The flip side of that, they've always been under the gun for not treating their workers really well. Um, there was awful stories from mandatory crunch time like work uh, leading up to the release of The Witcher 3. Last year something like that in an interview maybe two years ago the head of the studio um was in an interview with and i think it was with kotaku correct originally i believe so uh, i think it was with kotaku in an interview where he was like they're not going to uh do mandatory crunch for their workers um for those of you who don't know crunches is basically like okay you're gonna work like six seven day weeks and 10 hour 12 hour days weekends whatever leading up to the launch of the game uh, typically to clear bugs, last minute finishing touches, things like that. Well, now, Brett, even though CD Projekt said that, there's a story that came out, I think last week, that now, now, CD Projekt is going to require crunch for, from their workers, including six six day weeks. That's correct. Um, <clears throat> it was actually in an email that the CD Projekt Red studio head, Adam Badowski, put out. Uh, I don't know who he sent the email to. It might have been to his employees and to, you know, just game journalists in general. Um, yeah. But basically he said he's optimistic about Cyberpunk. They just submitted the game to be certified by PlayStation and Xbox. So the game's done. Um, mm -hmm. But it was time to fix the game's bugs and glitches, which with a game of this scale, you're going to get that. This oh, is, absolutely. This is going to be... Probably a massive amount, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be like Fallout level, but not as bad <laughs> because Bethesda is just really bad with that kind of shit. Um, so he said, starting today, the entire development studio is in overdrive. 
uh, your typical amount of work uh, for the week and then one day of the weekend. So essentially they're working an additional day. Right. And they're going to get paid for it. So it's not True. like they're not being, you know, we'll give paid. them some credit. Yeah. Right. Um, but that's only because it's part of Polish labor laws that they have to get paid for that additional. <laughs> right. Day. Right. And you would think if those didn't exist, probably like if this happened in the United States, they would be fucking getting paid for it. No, it's like Rockstar. No, they wouldn't get paid at all. Yeah. Um, he is manning up and he is taking full, uh, you know, he's taking full. He's taking the, the brunt of the, the blame. He's taking it all. Like he's saying, this is my decision and that's, that's what it is. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's a bad look for him to come out a year ago or whatever, two years ago and say, we're not going to do that. And then now he's like, yeah, we're doing it. I take full responsibility, yeah. but we're doing it. And it's like, that doesn't make it better that you're willing to take the blame, dude. You know? No, and I think it's part of a larger conversation um, with the uh, climate in game development mm-hmm. um, and how it's almost an expectation for their developers um, to do this leading up to launch. And I think it goes into a larger issue of like, hey, don't fucking make release dates. Don't announce your release date so early. I mean, Cyberpunk has been fucking abysmal with that. I mean, it's been delayed constantly. Don't announce release dates. There shouldn't be pressure from publishers, like, or whether it's Xbox, PlayStation, or other publishers, for their developers to announce release dates. I get you have to hit targets, right? You want, like, at some point, there's like, you know, you have to see where the profit is going to come from from publishing the game. I get that. You need to have realistic conversations with your developers. Do not announce release dates so soon. And do not make it an expectation to launch your game that your workers are going to have to fucking work a million hours of overtime and extra days. Yeah. Lengthen, lengthen your development process. I think most gamers out there would probably be fine with it more so if you didn't announce a release date and then delayed it because you didn't hit your target. And also they would probably like you more as a company and it would be better for you to not treat your workers like shit. It's a simple three-step process. Step one, fix. <laughs> Step two, get. <laughs> Step three, fix it. Absolutely. I think that it's a, like you said, it's a much part of a much larger problem. Um, in the game industry, I think that these workers need to be treated better in general, um, and they need to get paid more. I, I don't think that absolutely. I don't think that it's worth it anymore to be a game developer. Like you kind of you finish a project, you get kicked to the curb, and you got to find something else. You know what I mean? Um, right. I, it does say here, though. I'm reading the Bloomberg article, and it's worth noting that CD Projekt employees can continue to count on bonus payouts. Uh, account or amounting to 10% of the company's annual profit. This could prove mm-hmm. to be a lucrative sum as analysts estimate uh, the company's net income will rise 11 fold to 2 billion zloty, which is $520 million in 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have 1,079 employees at the end of June. So Josh, if you can do some quick math here, if they have 1,079 employees, and they have to split 10% of their income. What do you think each employee will make for their bonus? I don't want to do that math. <laughs> well, it's $520 million. All right, hang on. Because I want to know how what this bonus pay right, $520 million. So that, that's the total profit. And then they get 10%, 10% of that divided amongst their staff, correct? Mm-hmm. All right, so hang on. So 10% of that is 
50, 52 million dollars. All right, divide that by a thousand and seventy nine. Uh, it's about a forty forty eight thousand two hundred dollar bonus. That's a lot of money. Yeah, if that's right, and we did the math correctly. If they right? hit, if if they hit those targets, if I did the math correct, um, but I mean, almost a fifty grand bonus as long as they sell, which we know the fucking game is going to sell ridiculous. It's gonna, it's going to be like up there with GTA Five as one of like the most fucking profitable games of all time, mm-hmm. hands down, no doubt about it. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of money. But still, it, and then, the crunch is not worth it. No, it's not. It's and I think it's I think it's ridiculous. I mean, we can both compare it to our own jobs. How do we feel when we're asked to work overtime or do extra things when we're not getting paid for it? I don't want to fucking do it. If they told they pay me, me for it? Well, if they told me I was going to get that much money at the end of the year, maybe I'd be like, "Okay." But right, but it's still not going to help with burnout. Yep. You know what I mean? It's not going to make your your end product any better because you make your employees work overtime yeah think about the productivity there they're not going to want to work they're not going to want to you know what i mean they're going to be burnt out it's just it doesn't lead to making a good product oh and then you know they also something to note is they also have their multiplayer game of this that's also in development right now at the same time that's projected to come out a couple years after this yep um you know you have people working on that and then as soon as they're done this project they're gonna have to shift to that or whatever else they have in the pipeline, you know That's what right. I mean? So, That's right. It, it, not like it stops, you know. I wonder if this crunch wouldn't have happened if they hadn't delayed the game so many times. I wonder if they could have just delayed it. But maybe this is a marketing issue. Know. Maybe marketing or whoever comes up with the release date, maybe they fucked up too many times. Now they can't fuck up. They can't delay right. the game again. They can't. They can't. They absolutely cannot. So. Maybe it's it all they, revolves around they, them at, being at fault. Who knows? They can't delay it again. If it de- if ugh, it's going to be bad if they delay it again. Yeah, it's going to be bad for a lot of people if they delay it again. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, good luck to them, and I hope they um, get that forty fifty thousand dollar bonus at the end of the year. Me too. I wish my company the had flip that side policy. of that. Yeah. Right. Ten percent of all profits. Woof. Yeah. Um, the flip side of that. Uh, moving into kind of our last topic segment, um, back in the day, we did a little segment called Indie Intel. That's right. Um, where we just kind of talked about these little indie games, projects that we were following, that we're excited about, that we think look cool, um, from either indie studios or solo developers that we, you know, we just want to touch on. Um, and so I think we're going to keep doing that, at least for now. We have a game today that we want to talk about. Um, it's a little Kickstarter game called haiku the robot um and i'll turn it over to you brett because you know a little more about it than i do yeah so like josh said we just want to keep shouting out these indie games and we want to give them the love they deserve and um we want people to know about them especially if it's a kickstarter we want you guys to get your kickstarter pledges in that way it contributes to the main goal of the game and they can get more of those stretch goals reached right so like josh said we're going to be talking about haiku the robot um I found this game. It's actually a Kickstarter project we love, which means it's like a featured project on Kickstarter's website. Um, and it's like a Metroidvania type game that has like this ridiculous amount of charm in the art style. Um, and it's being developed by 
one guy from Estonia. So he said he, he basically works 95, a nine to five job, just like us. Um, and in his spare time, he creates Haiku the robot. And this is the first game he's ever made. And it, Josh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's, he said in his Kickstarter video that he's only been coding for like a year. He didn't, he did. He said he didn't touch a line of code before we started this game. Okay. That's insane. Yeah. So this is like the first game he's ever coded and created. He has no background in coding until he started working on this project. Um, and I'll tell you what, based on the trailer that we watched, you couldn't tell. This game looks phenomenal. Um, it's got a, like, like we said, it's Metroidvania, but it's got like a Mega Man feel to me with the little enemies mm-hmm. that you fight. It's got big boss fights that look pretty sweet. And I think there's even a demo, a free demo that you could download right now to try out. So if anyone's watching this, um, we'll put the link down below. You guys can check out Haiku the Robot. Um, what stood out to me too, just from watching the trailer, was uh, actually the sound design of um, just like all of the sound effects and things like that that were happening. I, I don't know why. Just it's they sounded they sounded very good and very crisp. Yeah. Um. And I think I guess I'm more so just curious if he found open so, uh or like uh royalty free sound, sound stuff that he yeah. used or if he actually foleyed the sounds himself. That's a you know great question. Um. The game is currently sitting at thirty one thousand dollars on Kickstarter, and he only asked for twenty eight thousand, so he's way above what he asked for. Um, and he's even doing stretch goals. Some of the stretch goals they reached were a switch port. So the game's going to be on windows, Mac, uh, iOS and switch now, which is awesome. Um, Spanish and Portuguese languages are being added to the game. So that's cool for anyone out there that speaks those languages. Uh, a boss rush mode was added. A hardcore mode was added. Um, and if they get about 2000 more dollars, they're going to be adding an alternate ending to the game. So that's pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. And then at least on the graphic on uh, the Kickstarter page, it looks like there's one, at least one more stretch goal that is a mystery. Yeah. But I feel like, I feel like you probably will get to it at some point. Yeah. I mean, this project still has four days to go. I don't know. Oh, now I'm, now I'm nervous, Josh. I don't know if we're going to get this video out in four days um, for people to back this project, but I'm sure you could still contribute after the campaign's over. So Please mm-hmm. check out their page uh, in the event this campaign is over by the time this video goes live. Um, you know, that mystery stretch goal could be console uh, like Xbox One or, or PlayStation 5 or Xbox Series X. Because um, mm-hmm. he does talk about how, you know, he wanted this to be on, on Steam first so he could test it out, make sure everything worked right. And then he would work on pa- uh, porting it over to the consoles like the Switch. So, right. It costs a lot of money actually to port games over to and publish games on Xbox and PlayStation's infrastructure. Um, mm-hmm. It's not free, so you got to get like a dev license and all that, a publishing license or something. So he's a one man team, and this game looks slick. So please yeah. check out Haiku the Robot. I know I'm going to be downloading the demo after we're done this podcast. I'm going to be trying it out. Hell yeah. That's right. All right. Well, that's about all, all I have, Bert. That's it? You little tired, yeah. tired, sleepy boy? I'm rubbing my eyes, and I've just been looking at a computer screen for a long time. Yeah, it's one of the negatives of doing the podcast this way, I would assume. But, uh, yeah. hey, I'll tell you what, it was still a lot of fun, 
And yeah, it was. It was super easy. We did it. And we didn't have to have big lights shining on our faces. Yeah, we're not sweating our fucking balls off. Well, I still am sweating my balls off, but that's besides the point. Ah, uh, I'm not. <laughs> that's good. So at least half of us aren't. That's right. Well, all right. But listen, we want to thank everybody for tuning in. Um, I don't. We don't know what our upload schedule is going to be, but you know what? We're here. We're doing stuff. We're doing what we want to do. Yeah. Check us out on all of our social media. Um, we'll put all the links in the description. All of our Twitters, Instagram, Facebook. Check all of that out. You have anything else, Brett? Um, no. I mean, the one thing I would touch on is you know expect this podcast to go up and several smaller videos from this podcast to go up as well as you know mm-hmm. their own little videos. Um, mm-hmm. And as Josh said, don't know when the uploads are going to come yet. Um, we'll figure that out. This is the first one back. Full right. disclosure, um, we're working on it. Yeah. So you'll find out very shortly. Yeah. Keep an eye out. Yeah, things are in the pipelines. That's right. All right, well, All right. it's been fun, dude. Yeah, it has been fun. Thanks. Thanks for watching, everybody. Later. Bye.